Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to Never Heard of It, a Night Shift Radio original. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review if you're so inclined. For more information, visit nightshiftradio.com. So I realized something recently. Yeah. You know how I took that trip. You know because you saw me. Because I I physically saw you in person. Yes. Yeah. Um, And I'd gotten cash out. Uh, for the trip uh, because I was anticipating needing to pay cash tolls. Sure. Not realizing that the uh, the New York, Stewart, New York State Thruway has uh, essentially, at least for now, if not permanently, I, I can't see them going back to it. Yeah. Okay, good. Yep. Done away with, with cash tolls. Like, that's brilliant. Yeah. Also, like, totally unrelated. Side note, uh, it appears that the, the tolls have reduced significantly because... Oh. Um, like there was a bunch of like service fees and stuff like that because they had to bill the the rental car company who then billed me. I'm like, yeah, okay, fine, it's whatever. Um, but my one way tolls from the state line to Syracuse was like just over a dollar, and that like a quarter at least of what it would normally have been. Oh yeah, I mean I I remember uh, going from here to like Buffalo, which is like a four hour drive, and mm-hmm. it being like seven dollars. Yeah, it's uh, it's. Easily at least like four to five bucks making that trip. And there's there's the two segments because there's either side of Buffalo. Like the yep. Buffalo City area being the only part where like you're exempt from the, the toll. So all I have to say, like I had some cash, which meant that I spent some cash, which meant that I ended up with some coins. Hmm. And at this point in my life, I do not know what to do with coins. They're, I mean, that's the thing. Like... Have, fucking coins, man. I have this like pile of coins that just like I keep, you know, I have my change pocket in my pants. And when I change my pants, I transfer the coins from from pants to pants. But like, I don't use them for anything. Like, yeah. I, I use a coin periodically when I when I buy my scratchers because someday I'm going to get my million. Sure. Uh, and I'm going to retire. <laughs> You're saving all your losers, right? So you can submit those as uh, to to reduce your taxes. To be like, look how much I invested to get to my millions. That's a thing, apparently. I did not know that was a thing. Yeah, if you is supposedly if you save all of your losing lottery tickets, any kind, anything, hmm. you can submit that to your taxes to be like, hi, I invested, you know, four hundred dollars over this past year in lottery tickets to get to this. And I mean, it's you know, it's not going to do much. It'll save you, you know, a hundred bucks, a couple hundred bucks, or whatever, depending on how much you spent. Interesting. But supposedly that's a thing. Interesting. Yeah. Um, because the, do we, I can't remember if we talked about this. I, I, I put it out there into the, into the universe on, on Twitter once, but into the ether, like I did the basic math and like our expenses are low. And if like, if I, if a million dollars just went in my account today, I could, I could just retire comfortably and just, just do this bullshit all the time. Like just, just for fun. That's, that's pretty, I, you know, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I bet you, because I mean, like, I'm not surviving off much, so yeah. like a million dollars would definitely last me a pretty long time. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, if I lived exactly as I live right now, like no change whatsoever, I don't buy anything wacky, you yeah. know, I don't go buy a car or a house or something, I just, exactly as I live right now, I could live exactly like this on a million dollars, God, yeah, 20 years, yeah. I mean, I so I, I did the math based on what... What our current expenses would be 
uh, estimated, you know, the, things can change, of course, but estimated, sure. like, let's say we take, uh, we, we take a, you know, 100K off the top of that and just pay the house off. That draw, I mean, I, I did it based on what our actual expenses are now, but it, it extends even further out if we did it that way. And that yeah. is, you know, we'll say like that's 900,000. Uh, I estimated expenses out for 40 years at being less than half a million for us. So like, that's a comfortable, that's a comfortable living, especially knowing yeah. that like that's, that's gaining interest now. Well, yeah, that's the thing. You, you do the right thing with it. You, you, you know, even if you toss shit. 80,000 away mm-hmm. into like a high interest like shit you'd be it would just be making money in in 10 years you would just be making money yeah like so, like 8,000 a month or something it'd be crazy do i believe there's a scenario ever where there's just going to be a million dollars that just ends up in my bank no no but like i mean this this is what i spend Dollar my time dream. thinking about <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah. You know, it, it's funny. I think about coins. Uh, and I was just talking to my daughter about this uh, just the other day, how I was saying, like, you know, she was talking about, like, a, a, we well, like went to the drive through or something, and then we got coins. And she was like, what do you want me to do with these? And I was like, throw them away? I don't know. And I was like, here, just put them in the, you know, in the little container in the car. I was like, just toss mm-hmm. them in there. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay. And I was like, why do we still have coin? Like, like, I mean, right now we're white men about to be in our 40s. The only coins, you know, people like us carry about are Bitcoin uh, or ah. Dogecoin. So, like, what do I need a, an actual quarter for? Well, as a, as a Cozy Co- Co- Grove player, I care about Wolfcoin. You care about Wolfcoin? Uh, so, as a Genshin Impact player, I care about Mora. Uh, that is the, <laughs> um, the currency of the realm, as they say. And, um, I think about this, how, like, it it's really mostly in the US that like not using cash at all is a, a fairly common thing and like even like that's even more like recent. Yeah. Um and like if I travel, I'll get out cash so I can have like I feel like I have more conscious control over my spend. Like I, I know how much I have because I physically have it. Yeah. Um, and just in case, because like you don't know if you're gonna come across some place that's like cash only, like when right. you're out on a vacate, you know, totally get it. Right. And I'd I wonder, like, would it make sense for me to go back to, like, that kind of lifestyle? And I, I just can't picture myself doing that because I've been all in on just, like, I don't carry cash. I just have my you know, my debit card or my credit card or whatever. Uh, and that, that's made my life easier. But, there, you know, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know where this line of thinking is, is taking me other than uh, it is kind of weird that we've we've moved so far away from from cash. Yeah, you know, uh, so a very long time ago, I worked uh, for a, in a kiosk in the mall, and mm-hmm. the guy that owned this kiosk, um, uh, he owned, like, he just owned a bunch of businesses. Like, he owned this restaurant called Nothing But Noodles, which <laughs> was, do, do you remember Nothing But Noodles? Yes. It was basically just a restaurant that just had noodle recipes, and it was great. The food was actually really freaking good, and I loved it, and it was supposedly a chain restaurant, but I guess it went away. Um, yeah, but I went once. Yeah, I, I used to go a couple times. It's now a Moe's. That's uh, oh yeah, um, it is. Yeah, yeah, uh, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> I feel like that was a, a perfect transition. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they were like, yeah, it's it's an evolved form of of said chain restaurant. But he, I remember, I was in my early twenties. I was like maybe twenty one, twenty two when I worked for this guy, and I remember him telling me like, you always have to keep four hundred dollars cash on me, and I was like. You don't even pay me four hundred a week. First off, minimum mm-hmm. wage is like five dollars back in you know the year two thousand one or two thousand two. Yeah. Um, but he was like, I cannot tell you the amount of times that I've needed exactly four hundred dollars cash in my life. So now I always, at all times, carry four hundred dollars cash. And I was like, I, I don't even think I've. I've had $400 cash. Like, aside from, like, graduation, like, high school graduation, I've never held... I mean, I have now. I'm an adult. But back then, I was like, I don't even think I've held $400 in cash. And you're just like, I always keep $400 in cash because so many times I've needed exactly $400 in cash. What a weird life that person must live now. Yeah, I can't think of a single time that I've needed exactly $400 cash. Never. Never. What is this guy's life that exactly $400 worth of cash, mind you, not just like I need $400, but $400 specifically cash has come up so many times 
that he has to he 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 has it as a mantra now to carry four hundred dollars cash. It, it feels like a weird twisted version of the the saying that like you, or the the concept I guess the like most uh, U.S. citizens or people living in this country I guess citizenship regardless uh, don't have enough uh, just liquid funding on hand at any given yeah. time to pay a you know $400 expense or something like that. That's There is a, a statistic about that that gets repeated all the time. Yeah, uh, totally. And I know that in, in my life until very recently, that was also true about me. Like if yeah. some sort of emergency happened, like would have been straight to the credit cards. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. No, it I might just... even be like a $200 uh, expense. Like it's something, it's, it's something like it, it it's seems like shockingly fairly, low. It's fairly low, but at the same time, like the you know, the the way that a lot of us have had to live or continue to live, like that's a a crippling amount of money. Yeah, I know. I think I I am uh, very lucky that I have the type of insurance I have for both myself and and uh, I, and my kid, because if if anything were to happen to her. Like we we'd be really fairly covered, and I'm I'm very grateful for that because if I didn't have that insurance, and if I was with like maybe a, a different employer's insurance or something like that, I, I forget it. Like if Juniper broke her arm, I would be screwed, like absolutely screwed for for hospital bills because like whatever they didn't cover, because it would be or like if she needed braces or something, like forget it. That's that's like bankruptcy level, yeah. Because uh, it's just that's wild. Like it's just wild how crazy. Things got expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, just imagine if something happened, like, like, let's think well, well down into the future, like, you know, Juniper's grown and has a, a child of her own. Like, imagine something goes so wrong that you've got to come back from hell <laughs> to make it right. <laughs> <laughs> And with that being said, hello and welcome to the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight. And I'm Caleb. Uh, I didn't, I, I had something planned, but I watched the movie yesterday and I forgot. It doesn't matter. It, it, nothing it matters. Doesn't, nothing matters. <laughs> I'm just so excited. So we're here to talk about the movie. So Caleb, Caleb chose all the movies this, this month. You're goddamn and right Caleb, I did. Uh, Caleb decided to choose violence and he. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this isn't a Nicolas Cage podcast. But it should be. But I mean, at this point, we're like seven Nicolas Cage films deep. We we pretty much are. Uh, um, yeah, I I chose. Uh, you, you asked me like, do you want to pick this month? And without hesitation, I said sure. But it's going to be all Nick Cage. And then I, I then I followed through. Uh, you did, and I did this largely because uh, I've been. Dying for an excuse to talk about the weatherman, which we will later yes. this month. That is that is on the uh, on the agenda, back to back with a, another uh, Nick Cage movie from that same time period, Lord of War, that I also really enjoyed. Um, but we're kicking off uh, with a bang, like just we're just diving I right mean, in we, with <laughs> uh, sure a 2011 are. movie that I wanted to see at the time and. Uh, for whatever reason, didn't. I mean, 2011 was a, a bit of a, uh, a a tumultuous year for me. That was the year that I, I moved from Syracuse to St. Louis for the first time, uh, and had, you know, Ellen and I had just like kind of solidified our relationship. We had moved in together first. So there was a lot that happened that year, yeah. uh, and so this movie came and went, and it was on my radar, but I never got a chance to watch it. Uh, and so when when I said we're gonna watch Nick Cage movies, I went to Tubi first, sure, because I knew that that was going to be a source of a bunch. And there are a lot. Uh, there weren't a lot that I felt like I really wanted to talk about for this podcast, at least not for this month. Maybe maybe for some other theme. But there's a lot on there, uh, and this was the first one that popped up, and I was like, God damn right, we're gonna watch Drive Angry. Yeah. <laughs> so. This is a very this is a very wild film for many reasons. When when you see so first off this movie was also shot in 3D. So this was right around the era where 3D was starting to make its comeback. Was it um, really? Yep. That explains so many of the like there were there were oh god, okay, I was going like to complain the very about specific. this. Well, there were <laughs> moments throughout where like characters seemed like temporarily out of focus, especially when there was a yep. lot going on in the scene. 
Yeah. Nah, that makes so much imagine, sense. Imagine uh, William Fickner's uh, coin flip thing. Like yes. The, that was probably, that oh, would probably look cool in 3D. That would have looked dope. Yeah. See, Holy but 3D, shit. 3D for me is like, it, it, it's as much of a gimmick to me now as it was probably back in like the 50s and 60s. Like, like everyone was like, 3D is going to, that's the thing. Like everyone's buying 3D Blu-rays and 3D TVs. And I was like... Nope, that is definitely a fad, and it is going to the like. This is not like the HD to Blu-ray like trend. This is this is <sighs> gimmick. You know, HD to Blu-ray. Everyone was like, "Well, I mean, it's not really different." I was like, "Nope, that's the four the Blu-ray to 4K thing. Like, that's that's a natural transition. 3D, it's gimmicky, and I'm glad it went away. Like, I again. I really liked 3D. Um kind of like mid 2000s when it was first making its comeback and it was mm-hmm. like it was largely with animated films at the time and that worked yeah. really well i remember what was it like monsters versus aliens or something like that i think that came out uh, in yeah 3D. i went and saw yeah i went and saw that um, 3d yeah and also like weird avatar yeah my avatar av- was the big one yeah. avatar was one of the first ones that like fucked me up like i mm-hmm. I, I had trouble sitting through that because that was one of the times that i was trying to like go back and forth between like my regular glasses and the 3D. Yeah. like that was that was probably basically once i got my glasses uh 3d movies got a lot more difficult for me because yeah know, how do you wear the glasses over anyway um but like also the weird like one-off gimmicky ones like when they re-released my bloody valentine in 3d yep uh, mm-hmm. And my old boss and I, from, like when I worked at the collect- collections agency, like he and I went to see that, and <laughs> it was just fucking wild. The like, the axe coming, yep, at with you, the axe. Like, uh, yep. you know, like I enjoyed that. I did. Like, yes, it's gimmicky, but it was fun. Um, but it's just it's such a difficult thing to sustain, uh, especially because of how many people have vision issues and how you have to have a special eyewear to do that. And uh, if we could. If we could have like some weird tech glasses that like were a regular prescription, but then like you could tap a button or you know double tap a, a sensor or something like that, and it transitioned them to having the 3D effect for you while still maintaining your prescription somehow, like fucking get on that companies like do that. Um, like uh, I Snap want just released new spectacles. Like why is that not a feature? Yeah, like, spectacles. I want more 3D movies. I do. Yeah, but I just I the last couple times that I tried it just was too hard, and like the glasses have gotten better over time, but I don't want to get a headache to watch a movie that I paid twice as much to watch. I I feel like I feel like the technology it'll become standard when you don't need glasses. Um, when you're like if I if I have to buy a special TV set but I don't need glasses, mm-hmm. I think that's when you'll see it catch on. Um, when it's just built into the technology and you can just view it with your regular eyes. I think that's where, uh, that's when it's going to become more commonplace. Um, but I still think, you know, it'd be something to the effect of like AR, um, you know, and I feel like, you know, Microsoft HoloLens is, is that's the bridge item between the two that once that, once Microsoft HoloLens breaks out of needing a headset, that's it. Like that's where, like that's going to be the floodgate to mm. the technology just becoming standard in in literally everything. And even uh, like if we somehow uh, like eventually get to that like Tony Stark Jarvis AI interface right. where they're like swiping in in space, but like you're getting these three D holographic yeah. renderings, like that kind of shit could be cool. I don't know. Uh, like, Hololens is basically that, but it just requires. It requires things like you can play Minecraft on HoloLens. Like you set it on a table, you play Minecraft, and you can literally walk around the table and like pick things up and move them around like with your hands, and that's yeah. really cool. So it's like it's halfway there. It's like, it's like almost there. And like, I, it. I think we've talked about this a lot before. The 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 oh, evolution okay. of technology in entertainment, specifically in sci-fi, uh, and how we see this, and we think like, oh, that's so like so crazy and it's simple and like but you know like it'll take us years to get there and then like we get like halfway there and the the market fucks everything up yep that's a whole whole other rant um (laughs) and that again is a whole other podcast yeah (laughs) worth of 
of the almost technologies. But instead, we're going to talk about Drive Angry. <laughs> so the poster for this film, the thing about this movie is that, like, when did, when did Gone in 60 Seconds come out? It had to have been... Oh, God, I okay. So I that came that out movie. about uh, two thousand. So that came yeah. out about eleven years before this. See, because like when I when you said Drive Angry, I was like, uh, with Nicolas Cage, I was like, oh, is this like another Gone in sixty seconds or what? What was the other one we just watched with him? The uh, heist one. It was something was heist. Stolen. Stolen. No, yeah, stolen was the the one where he lost. His oh, kid. with the kid, the ghost one. No, that was Pay the Ghost. <laughs> pay the Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God! What movies have we seen with him? We've seen um, a bunch. Well, anyway, I thought it was another one of those like car heist films, like because it says like a vengeful father escapes from hell, and yeah. I'm like, like metaphorically or nope. actually, mm-hmm. and chases after the man who killed his daughter and kidnapped his granddaughter. But this movie really is about Nicolas Cage escaping from hell. So the movie starts off with the dumbest CGI cartoon. And it it's like, and there's like this voiceover that's yep. like, you know, uh, there's this crazy prison and like only one guy's ever done it and people will do it all the time or something. And I'm like, wait, what uh, the fuck is going on right now? So the, the character um, that's... Oh God! What's his name? I have it. I have it up. Uh, no, no. Uh, uh, William William Fitchner. Yeah, William, uh, Fitchner, William Fitchner. The so William Fitchner's yep. character, the accountant, does this monologue at the beginning. That's uh, all about like throughout history, there's been some badass motherfuckers, and what? the badass motherfuckers think that they can escape me. <laughs> But the thing about badass motherfuckers is they never drive fast enough. <laughs> Something oh, so, yeah. so, so here, stupid. Since the birth of time, humanity has endeavored to restrain evil men in prisons. But since Cain fled the murder of his brother, evil men have fled the walls of punishment. Already, this story is all over the place. Yep. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if you're a badass motherfucker on the run because you think you're better than everyone else and somehow entitled to do what you got to do. Wait, who are you talking about? No, <laughs> because you see badass motherfuckers are never fast enough. In the end, they will all be accounted for. Uh-huh, ah, foreshadowing. Accountant, uh-huh. and then you see this, you know, cheap CGI car drive. What, like, why do they have cars in hell? How is it so easy to just drive up a road and be out of hell? I have a lot of questions <laughs> about the security uh, aspect of hell. I have a lot of concerns. <laughs> I would watch a movie just about how John Milton which I guarantee that was a, a, a an intentional choice of name, uh, how he breaks out of hell, steals this car and his special God-killing gun, which we'll get to, uh, yes. and just fucking, like, meatloafs his way out of there. Which, well, okay, I, I yeah. was going to save this for the end because it's it's part of the, the end credits. Uh, but these, uh, these motherfuckers start one of the most badass meatloaf songs, Still Alive, they started, they give us like part of a, a verse and chorus and then just end it and go into the end credits. Like, how are you going to tease me with a meatloaf song and not play the whole thing? Like, you've got credits, you've got time. Like, yes, right. I know that meatloaf songs are long, but you have the time. Just fucking play the song. <laughs> I, you know, I will admit though, the soundtrack for this movie isn't that bad, but it's fucking all over the they place. Were- all over the place and not the score the fucking soundtrack because at one point it's like you know it starts off with like this oh you know that sort of southern rock or like you know you know meatloaf rock and roll like that sort of like hair metal like yeah i'm a badass motherfucker and then the next song you get is fucking peaches like fuck the pain away and i'm like we're really doing this right now the teachers of peaches Uh, and like I will never miss an opportunity to experience uh, that song, but it it really didn't feel <laughs> like it fit with the character uh, or the moment in the in the film at all. <laughs> yeah, I and and also like how do how do you do a whole movie 
where someone drives a badass car out of and into hell and not have Highway to Hell as one of your fucking songs. Like, it's literally, a, it's it's a highway to, he takes a fucking highway into and out of hell. How do you not have that song? It's written, this is the plot of the movie. Why do you not, do, I don't understand. Oh, this, so... So we they get can the afford opening. meatloaf, but not ACDC. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they just can't afford. You know, yeah. back, I, I mean, the rights to anything on Back in Black has got to be like up there. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we have this opening sequence with the accountant's uh, monologue, and the we see uh, the the badass car whipping out of hell uh, out of what appears to be a prison. And the next thing we see is Nicolas Cage in his fucking glory, like long bleach blonde hair and like bad one liners and just shooting motherfuckers, uh, (laughs) driving a dope car. This is, this is to me, like, this is the kind of role that Nicolas Cage needs to play. I mean, this is it. Yeah. You know, (laughs) this this is... is it's like what they almost did in jujitsu, but like they 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 erred more on the silly side instead of the this side. Mm-hmm. Like there there is something just truly glorious and truly perfect about him playing one of these goofy ass action hero characters, but playing it full like straight man, full serious, yeah, and really leaning into that persona, uh, and like. It gets even better when he encounters uh, like women throughout this movie that are like, "Hey there, sexy," and it's yeah. fucking <laughs> like late forties Nicolas Cage with long bleach blonde hair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just he just looks a mess, and all these women are like, "Yeah," like like jumping on, like physically jumping onto him, and like like the the first waitress he meets basically sexually assaults him, and then he sexually assaults her, and then. I said with sugar. Yeah. <laughs> he just like Wait, grabs her and like starts making out right there at the table. <laughs> you forgot my sugar. And then like there's a big thing of sugar on the table. So like that was like then. It was just unnecessary to begin with. It was with. so unnecessary. Yeah. Every, everything about this was Everything about this movie was unnecessary. We'll, we'll get to how many unnecessary things uh, were in this movie. So. So the movie kicks off, and you, so we see this scene of, of Nicolas Cage, and he's chasing down these people, you know, and, uh, you know, one of them's like, I thought they said he was dead. It, wasn't he dead? I thought he was dead. So he's chasing down these guys in this in this uh, thing. You know, he, uh, you know, eventually they crash their car. He gets out, shoots a bunch of them up, gets another one, and was like, where is he? And they were like, oh, he's in this place, uh, Stillwater, which, first off, it didn't make, like, he he gives them this location of where someone is, and, like, it just doesn't matter. Like, that location doesn't matter because they end up somewhere else completely anyways. It was well, they really eventually weird. get there, but, like, he's, it, it, it's... It's as though the the person that he's looking for is already like holed up there, like that's his destination, and that's where he has to go directly to. But as we'll, we'll get to, like they just end up crossing paths with this person throughout the movie, and just randomly, and it's like they artificially end up at this Stillwater location. Uh, but like it, it, it makes it seem like it's, it's so much more of like a puzzle that he's got to figure out like, what is Stillwater? And like, where is it? Like in Texas maybe, and like has to get there in time. Like it's a race against the clock. It's not, it's not, there's it no, is, well, but it's not, it, yeah, it is, but it, but it's not really. Yeah. So, you know, he, he fucking shoots one of the guy's arms off. He shoots one of the guy's <laughs> legs off. Like, it's just like this, this opening scene. So I guess, uh, content warning, uh, this is a very violent movie. Yes. Uh, there is, there is a lot of gore, a lot of body parts. Uh, you know, we see people get stabbed, you know, like violently through eyes, impaled and things like that. There is also a lot of nudity and sex mm-hmm. scenes, mm-hmm. um, full nudity. Uh, for women only, um, and uh, and a lot of swearing, and that's mm-hmm. 
and that's about it. And and the sort of threat of a child, but you know, I mean, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so he he gets this information and he was like, you know, tell him I'm coming. And uh, he so he drives off, and now we cut to um, a, a scene of these uh, these two waitresses, and they're talking. And you know the one of them who is uh, played by Amber Heard, which I think we don't like Amber Heard anymore, right? Isn't that a thing? I honestly couldn't tell you. Yeah, I I think that was the thing where uh, she like accused Johnny Depp of being abusive, but then it turns out it was her that was abusive and not him or something. I don't really know. Oh. Um, but anyway, so Amber Heard uh, plays uh, the the waitress Piper, and uh, we also have uh, Krista Campbell who plays uh, Mona, who was one of the other waitresses. Mona, um, but did you notice who was in this scene uh, in um, the diner? Maybe she only has like a line, um, but it's uh, it's Juanita Walmsley who is um, she is one of the mothers in it, but she was. Uh, um, uh, what's her name in Pitch Perfect? She was oh, uh, yeah. Denise in Pitch Perfect. Yeah, I saw okay. her and I was like, "Wait, I recognize her." And then I went back and I was like, "Oh my god, it's it's Denise. She was she's in the Bellas." The, I mean, the That's cast it. in this movie is across the board pretty ridiculously good. Yeah, um, I mean, like Nick Cage. Katie Mixon was the other uh, waitress. Uh, Norma Jean was the character's name. Oh, who was Krista? Ke- who was Mona? Was she someone else? I don't remember who. Oh, Mona. you're oh, right. I think you're right. Mona, I think, might have been one of the the cultists. Yeah, she she's the one that gets kicked out of the back of the RV. <laughs> That's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, so we have uh, William Fickner, who uh, he was in. Uh, I mean, he's been in a lot of great things. He was in Crash, Armageddon, Black Hawk Down. Um, uh, uh, what else? Uh, Veep. He um, was the, he's the bank the manager in The Dark Knight. Yep. He was uh, a voice actor in Turok. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, and then we also have Billy Burke. Uh, yep. And for those of you guys that remember, our, uh, <laughs> when we did Twilight, <laughs> Billy Burke, uh, of course, plays uh, uh, Charlie Swan, the dad of uh, Bella Swan. Um, so, but also uh, uh, David, uh, David Morse is in this movie as well. Can I admit to you something? Yeah. I didn't remember doing Twilight. <laughs> yeah, we did it on the 10th anniversary. We did it on the 10th true. anniversary. I remember yep. now, but until you said that, I had completely blocked it out of my mind. <laughs> I was like, oh, this guy was in the Twilight series. Okay, whatever. I've never seen those. No, I have. No, you have. You saw the first one. <laughs> um, and then David Morris was in The Green Mile. Uh, he's in The Hurt Locker. He plays um, uh, uh, Jodie Foster's dad in Contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also in 12 Monkeys. He, he's been in a lot of other cool things. And then uh, later, though, uh, we actually are introduced to Frank, who is um, Piper's uh, fiance, who is played by Todd Farmer, who wrote this movie. Uh, he, really? he wrote the screenplay for this movie. Yeah, he he That's wrote a lot funny. of. He also wrote uh, My Bloody Valentine in 3D, the remake of that. <laughs> uh, he wrote Jason X. Uh, he wrote The Messenger Trick. He he wrote a lot of these like uh, these sort of, uh, films. So nice. Yeah. So, so we're introduced to Piper and Piper and Norma Jean are, you know, just chatting They're They're, you know, they're while they're working, they're just chatting. And we learned that Piper has recently been, um, um, engaged to Frank. Uh, and as we're looking around the diner, as they're doing work, we see two specific people. One, we see Nick Cage, uh, sitting alone, sitting at the end of, uh, one end of the diner. Mm-hmm. And then another one is some other, uh, you know, creepy dude who is there. Um, and he is, uh, just kind of like being suspicious. So before we get into now the, the cast is coming together, Let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break. Uh, and when we come back, uh, we will dive into that. But before we go, mm. um, you know, while you guys are here, uh, it would be awesome if you uh, hit subscribe uh, on your podcast player of choice, subscribe or follow or whatever it is. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, like, comment and subscribe, you know, make sure to share this video, send it out to your friends if if you are a fan of that. And uh, it, I know we mentioned it last week, but it is officially approved we are available on Pandora. 
uh, as well. So that means awesome. we're on all the major networks. So we're on Pandora and Spotify and iHeartMedia and Apple and Google Podcasts and um, and Stitcher. So we are on the all of the major podcast platforms. So if you're like, oh, I like listening to your show, but I normally listen to things over over on this thing, we are on that thing. Um, so go ahead and head over there. And, you know, if the platform allows it, leave a rating and review. It's super helpful. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to jump to a break. We will be right back. Set Condition 1 is Night Shift Radio's Battlestar Galactica fancast. Each week, Battlestar veterans Caleb and Kitsy revisit, and newcomer to the show, Andrea, watches for the first time the 2004 sci-fi series Battlestar Galactica. They've just entered their third season, which means you've got two full seasons of sci-fi gold to binge if you want to watch along with them. Whether you're the commander of a soon-to-be decommissioned battleship or recently promoted to president of the 12 colonies. Join Caleb, Kitsy, and Andrea as they make their way through the Battlestar Galactica universe one episode at a time. Watch Battlestar Galactica free on Peacock and find Second Edition 1 at secondedition1throughoutthepodcast.com or wherever you get podcasts. Looking for something heroic in your life? Go check out our friends at the Superpod HeroCast. They're guys with beers talking about movies with capes. Every episode goes in depth with a different superhero movie. A classic of modern cinema? A certified stinker? It doesn't matter. If it's a superhero movie, they're going to talk about it. Start with a little bit of comedy, add in some film analysis, and finish it off with a heaping dose of geekery. You've got the Superpod Hero Cast. It doesn't matter if you're a casual fan or a 20th level nerd. Download their latest episode, grab a beverage, and enjoy the fun. The Superpod Hero Cast. Be heroic. Hello and welcome back. So oh, all of our oh. cast of characters are together. Well, <laughs> sort of. I mean, it's all it's all happening. It's all coming together. Um, yeah, Nick Cage uh, briefly makes out with uh, with with Norma Jean and uh, drinks his coffee and then leaves. He's he's looking for. He asks her like if she knows where where a, a Stillwater is. Like maybe in Texas. She's like, oh no, honey, it's, that's not in Texas. That's in that's in Louisiana. Yeah, and he's like, "Is that your car out there?" She's like, "No." He's like, "Is it hers?" There's a '69 Charger out there that's that's pretty badass, and yeah. he's got his eye on it. Turns out it's Piper's, and uh, you know, Piper, as as you said, had recently been engaged to uh, uh, to her boyfriend uh, Frank, but uh, she uh, she gets sick of, uh, being groped one too many times by the owner of Fat Lou's diner, Fat Lou. Uh, yeah. that is how he's accredited and we are not fat shaming. That is literally his character name. Yep. Uh, he's a disgusting man who, who gropes and, and makes innuendos at his staff and she, uh, fucking just about rips his balls off and then quits. Yeah. And she's, she's, you know, she gets in her car. And she <laughs> listens to Peaches on the way home, only discover that her new fiance is banging someone. Actually, that I think that's Mona. That's Mona. That's who Mona is. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so she grabs her stuff and takes the car. Uh, and you know, he's like, "You're not gonna take my car." And she, like, they, she kind of lays him out. Well, um, I mean, first off, she smacks the shit out of out of Mona. Yeah, she, she drags her out uh, fully, <laughs> fully naked, naked out of the house and just smacks the shit out of her in the front lawn. <laughs> um, you know, smacks her and because Mona keeps being like, "We're in love," and she just keeps punching her. Every Say time it she one says more it. time. Say it again. We're in pow. <laughs> just knocks her the fuck out. <laughs> and then Frank comes out and starts being like, "What the fuck are you doing?" So she hauls off and punches him as she should, mm-hmm. and uh, and and then that's that. But then. Good old Frank. <sighs> Frank starts he's, beating on her. He's like, yeah. I, I forget exactly how how he says it, but he's like, "We're gonna do this, all right?" And like, starts punching her, and just as he's about to like, really like, possibly kill her, like, really like, beat the shit out of her. He says, um, "I'll make it so that no one will want you." That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he gets a boot to the face from our buddy John Milton. <laughs> yeah, sure does. <laughs> Who then just proceeds to uh, pummel him uh, into the ground, uh, like against the wall, and an air conditioning unit falls <laughs> to his face, which would kill him. It somehow you. didn't. Somehow it didn't. Somehow didn't. Spoiler. Yeah, 
uh, because he, you, he gets a much next, more spectacular death. <laughs> he does. In the very next scene, we see. So, so mind you, right before this, uh, as she is driving, her car stalls out, mm-hmm. and she picks up Nick Cage, and and he actually is there, and he was like, "Oh, do you need a hand? Like, I can fix that for you." And she's like, "Yeah," and he reaches in and like touches a thing and then all of a sudden the car just magically works mm-hmm. um because cars and uh and so she uh gets he gets in the car and he's like hey i i'm heading to this place like you know how far can you take me and she's like oh well i'm heading to you know wherever she lives and she's like that's as far as i can take you and he's like all right cool you know and they chit chat a little bit and you know nothing nothing crazy yeah. um and they get to the house and she she even says like oh yeah no this this car belongs to my fiance um, and you know, she's like, Oh, we're, we're engaged. And he's like, Oh, is he a good man? And she's like, yeah. And then she finds him cheating. It's and like, so this is why Nick Cage is nearby because he had literally just been dropped off and overhears this whole thing happening. Cause it all happens immediately. Yeah. And so this is where he comes. So, so the next scene is she wakes up in the car after having been punched by, um, by Frank a few times and basically getting knocked out. He's driving, uh, you know, because she had mentioned, oh, I'm I'm heading to Florida. I'm going to go mm-hmm. to Florida uh, for whatever reason. I think she said like her parents live there or something like that. Yeah. So and- she's heading to Florida. <laughs> You're not going to find anyone better than me in Florida, in Texas, maybe, but not Florida. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Frank, very, like, is really like setting that bar high. Um, He's very self-actualized when you think about it. He was like, he was like, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Texas seven, but a Florida 10. Like that's, (laughs) that's where Frank lives right now. Um, but, uh, uh, Milton says to her like, Hey, I heard you mentioned Florida. I need to get to Louisiana. Can you take me as far as there? And she agrees. Um, but all this while, they're being slowly but surely uh, pursued by the accountant on foot. Yeah. He stops uh-huh. first at, at Fat Lou's and sniffs the air. And like, there was a man here, six foot one, looked out of place. And Norma Jean is like, yeah, I mean, he was here. He went, he went that way yeah. on, on foot. And the accountant just walks away. Yeah. And he just, he's always like, he's, he's inexorable. He just keeps going, but he's always one step behind. So he, he reaches, uh, Frank's place, uh, after, uh, after the, um, Milton and, uh, Piper have already left. And he's like, there was a man, six foot one. He was here. And Milton, uh, Frank's like, you know, I called the cops. You're not a cop. And, uh, I forget why, but the accountant just, Decides to fucking kill him. It's great. Like, oh, uh, Frank threatens him with a with, with this uh, Kentucky stick. It's a it's a Louisville Slugger, uh, yeah. and the accountant takes it, snaps it in half, jams one <laughs> through his shoulder to pin him to the wall uh, to interrogate him further, and then <laughs> shoves the other sliver of it right through his fucking eye he it's one of those 3d scenes he throws it and we see it like coming towards the camera and then it stabs him right in the eye uh just as uh, a couple of local police because uh, this is all in colorado apparently um uh, the the locations are really like skewed throughout this movie it's very confusing <laughs> yeah to, uh, to get from colorado to te- I mean, that would take days of driving <laughs> like um, America's big. And so like he, he walks out just in time to see the, the cops that Frank had called, uh, finally showing up and <laughs> they're like, are you, uh, are you Frank called about, uh, called about an assault? And <laughs> like, nah, he's in there. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> One cop goes in and sees the body and it was immediately like, Holy shit! What have I gotten into? And he walks out like you know, gun drawn, like put your hands in the air. And the accountant has this thing that he does. You mentioned it earlier. Like he flips a coin up in the air, and then when it lands, he spins around and he's holding an FBI uh, badge, and people fall for it. And it's like, what, what do you think? You're the doctor? 
Right, like right. Psychic it's a, paper. It's, yeah, it's a psychic paper. Um, yeah. So, so a fact about that coin. So, the coin the accountant uses throughout the movie is an obolos from ancient Greek. In those days, obolos were placed on dead man's hand or two over his mouth. So, the first time he opens his mouth, the payment falls into the Karen's hand uh, by mourners as payment to Karen the ferryman, mm-hmm. who is in charge of crossing souls over river sticks into Hades, the Greek version of hell. Um, this was to. Uh, support the accountant's role as as retriever of souls, basically. Uh, so pretty interesting. Yeah, and like the, I feel like the mythology of this is a bit um, a bit twisted because um, Milton at one point refers to the accountant like he, uh, several times he he pokes fun at him like who do you think you are and like just names random gods from various pantheons he calls him Anubis. But yeah, point. at one point like. It, uh, but I guess like it's really confusing the way he words it because he's essentially asking him like who do you think you are Anubis but it, it the way he delivers the line is like who do you think you are Anubis right so he's not actually calling him that he's like poking fun at it but like that would actually have made sense in to a certain extent if this character was Anubis but also Anubis doesn't go and hunt people down he just he judges them when they die it's very confusing. Yeah, I feel like uh, the the whole idea, like the whole heaven, hell, religious aspect of this movie was like purposefully ambiguous because because somebody does, uh, does you know, uh, we find out later that Billy Burke is basically a, a cultist and he's, he's going to mm-hmm. sacrifice Milton's granddaughter t- in the name of Satan to bring hell on earth and that being the disciples of Satan, they will, they will become immortal. And the accountant even basically says, like, yeah, that's not the case. Uh, in fact, like, he he pretty much fucking hates when people uh, kill kids in his name. Like, he's really just a warden for this prison, and he's actually very soft-spoken and really well-read. Like, he's like, yeah, dude, like, he's not into this at all. But there really is no sense of, like, like we get an idea of some aspect of, of like, a, a, a Satan or a hell, a Hades, mm-hmm. if you will. But there's really not like a, is this, like, I guess the only reference we get to Christian mythos is in the beginning when they reference Cain, but the later through the movie, like you said, with Nick Cage, he references so many other non-Christian things that you're like, so, so what is, what is the magic here? Because I don't actually understand, like, who, who's, like, what rules are we going by? Because I don't, I don't know. It's very vague. Well, they reference hell, uh, specifically, but then they also, like, um, at one point, the the I think it's the accountant asks the um, asks Milton about the you know the experience of burning. He's like, you know, it's not the burning that uh, that's so bad, or maybe it's his friend. It's uh, Webster. It's yeah, Webster. His yeah, Webster. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's not the burning that's a, that's bad. It's the you know, the video feed, and he talks about being able to see all the terrible things that happen to your loved ones that you can't be there to to stop, and that's how he knows, you know, because he died before. Uh, this all happened, obviously, uh, but he—that's how he witnessed um, his daughter being assaulted and killed, and the granddaughter being taken. And he knows that it's by this cult leader who uh, is, and he knows that the plan is to sacrifice the granddaughter uh, and all this because he could see it from his prison in hell, uh, and so that's that's what drove him to escape. Yeah, which. He describes how he escaped because the accountant event eventually the accountant and, and Milton like reach an accord and he asks him like how did you get out and he you know with the god killer um, and he's like I just took it and walked out the front door and that's <laughs> the only explanation we get. I to love how the accountant's like oh wouldn't want to be you when he finds out. <laughs> Milton's like, right. what's he going to do? Not let me back in? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Right. He even oh says, he's like, he's like, listen, you're not the first person to escape and you're likely not going to be the last, but how did you do it? Mm-hmm. He's like, I just grabbed the gun and walked out the front door. <laughs> grabbed the gun, stole the car, walked out the front door. That's amazing. <laughs> just, I, I love this movie. It's so bad yeah. and I love it. It is uh, so. So that's the thing about this movie. It is terrible, but it's fun. But not in like the way that like Hard Ticket to Hawaii was fun, where they like they knew they were making a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Like they were, you know, like Andy Sedaris when he makes a movie like Hard Ticket to Hawaii was like, come on, 
Like <laughs> half of half of the plot of my movie requires women to take their shirt off for no reason whatsoever. And I have a snake in a toilet. Like <laughs> I know the type of movie I'm making. Like he knows the type of movie he's making. However, the people that made this movie were like, this is going to be a really good movie, guys. Like, I think we've got something here. This is going to be an action-packed thrill ride. And then people watch this movie and we're like, what the fuck is this movie? Like, <laughs> So I think th- there's a couple reasons why I think that the makers of this movie did know exactly what they were doing. One, because the you mentioned John Farmer or whatever his name is, the, the writer. Um, uh, yeah, Todd Farmer. Yep. Todd Farmer. He... Um, was connected with my bloody Valentine and Jason X. And yep. like, these are, these are like campy, like bad horror movies. Like these are things that like people go to because they know they're going to be schlock. So I, I feel like the guy, you know, he probably knew what he was doing, but also there's a, a, a thing where, you know, Nicholas Cage partly took this role. I mean, he'll take any role. He will. I mean, uh, let's be he, real. <laughs> he partly took this role because there, there is a scene like, you know, we know that John Milton is dead at this point. Like, and you know, we see a, a couple times like he gets hurt and he, he seems to heal from it. Uh, there's a part where uh, Jonah, the the cult leader played by Billy Burke, uh, shoots Milton right in the fucking eye and right seems to kill the him. Fucking eye, right through the fucking eye. And of course, like he recovers from that and eventually like heals from it. It's it's gross and it's awesome. It uh, is awesome. Cage partly took this role because of that scene uh, because there was a, a sequence that was supposed to happen in uh, season of the witch, which was also around this time. Uh, yeah. But they, they cut that out because they wanted PG 13 and he like, he wanted to, uh, to play a crazy part where like, they were just saying like, fuck it, let's go for the hard R and yeah. let's do this kind of just absolutely batshit stuff. And like, let's, let's shoot me in the fucking eye. <laughs> but like, <laughs> That's not even the craziest part of Nick Cage. It's not. So so now that Piper and Milton are together, they're heading off this place and they stop at this bar (laughs) called uh, uh, Bull Bull by the Balls. The Bull by the Balls. The Bull by the Balls, which fucking (laughs) great, great name. So anyways... Uh, Piper ends up picking up some, you know, she's like, oh, I'm going to go get this waiter. She she ends up like pulling this waiter and getting him naked and making him paint her toenails while she is completely clothed. Which is um, great. Which fucking good on her. That is amazing. And at one point he's like, are we going to like do it? She's like, it depends on how good you do with these toes, honey. Which <laughs> <laughs> is great. In, in her like just terrible and inconsistent southern accent yep yep that's only uh for those specific lines and then the rest of the time it's it's a normal accent um or a northern accent uh and then nick cage ends or milton ends up sleeping with the other waitress candy handy um who uh yeah so candy candy and and milton are now doing it and we hear them through the walls of piper's thing and it cuts back and it's Nick Cage sitting on the bed with his arms behind his head, smoking the biggest fucking cigar in the world. It's great. Fully clothed while Candy is completely naked, just going to town on him and being like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. And she's like, aren't you going to take his clothes or your clothes off? (laughs) And he says, I never take my clothes off until I'm ready to come. (laughs) What does he say? He says, I never disrobe before a gunfight because he knows that it's coming. And just then, a bunch of the cultists start bursting in through the door and the windows and stuff. And, like, he just, he hangs on to her with one arm and, like, keeps going while he's killing all these motherfuckers. And she's just like, what? And the crate. So after this scene happens, like mind you, he is still like banging this girl while yes. shooting all these people. And then and later, like the real cops come and they find her like huddled in a corner, and she was like, "He was killing them while he was fucking me. That's never <laughs> happened to me before. Has it happened to you?" And the sheriff was like, "No. <laughs> get her a psychologist. Get her a shrink." <laughs> oh my god it was just that was just oh. fucking insane so the like the list of like trivia and fun facts and stuff like that about this movie 
are is so long that I feel like you could do a whole podcast episode where you just like read these and like react to them step like, by step. Yeah, the idea that Nick Cage wanted to shave his head and have like a full like skull tattoo, <laughs> and they talked like, him out of it. And they're like, Nick, please no. And he's like, No, I think this would be a really good idea. And they're like, Can, No, hey, you know how you are is fine. He's like. So he's like holding the razor to his head and they're like, hey, you know, maybe not. He's like, no, it'll be fine. It's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I got this. I got this. <laughs> it's just fucking wild. It's so good. <laughs> so so here's all, all the wild things that are happening. So the accountant is coming after Milton to bring him back to hell because he escaped and he stole this gun. Basically, this gun uh, called the God Killer if you get shot by the god killer, you you don't die. You literally cease to exist. You don't yeah, go to no heaven, heaven. You don't no go hell. to hell. You just you're just erased off of the the face of earth. Um, and he only has four bullets or something like that. You know, and he, he does fire one. He starts with three. He shoots. Oh, he starts one. with three. Yep. He shoots one at the the accountant from a moving vehicle, which again would have been one of those three uh, D moments. Now yep. that I, I realize that. Um, which was, you know, kind of a, a bold move, especially knowing what, you know, the, what this weapon would do if yeah. it actually connected, but it just kind of like grazes the accountant's cheek. Yep. And, uh, so the accountant's coming after Milton to get the gun and, and Milton to bring him back. Milton is off to kill this satanic cultist who has his granddaughter and is the response is responsible for killing his daughter. Um, and so uh, he is going to sacrifice the grandkid at midnight on this on the full moon. So so Milton's basically going to stop this and save the grandkid. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, because of uh, the whole Frank thing and at the shootout at the Bull and Bear, Piper uh, uh, Piper ends up killing these two cops that the accountant picks up to help him basically track down the one he was like, no, I'm FBI. Come with me. Mm-hmm. We'll capture this guy uh, who killed Frank, let's say. Um, and you will, you know, you'll get a raise, you'll get a promotion, like come with me. And they're like, okay, cool. Piper ends up killing while shooting one of them who in turn shoots the other one Mm -hmm. and they both die. So now Piper is a cop killer. Um, so they, so a whole bunch of other cops are after Milton and Piper because they know that they killed these police officers and killed all the, you know, had this big gunfight at the, at the bull by the, uh, the bull by the balls. So that's. That's all happening at the same time. That is basically all of the things that are going on in this movie. And uh, as it progresses, we eventually get towards the end where um, everybody meets, you know, together. Uh, The accountant ends up, you know, being like, look, the way I see it, either, um, you know, these, uh, you fail, your daughter dies, I take you back anyways, or your granddaughter dies, or you succeed, I take you back to hell no matter what, like no matter what you come back to hell with me and you know, everything's fine. He's like, so, you know, I'm not a monster. Go, go try to save your grandkid. This is all you have. Like, he's like, I'm like, not going to help you, shot. but I'm not going to stop you. Right. Yep. And he's like, so head off, but you got to leave the, the God killer here, which by the way has, um, uh, what is it? Like Deus Velox next, uh, Something on it. like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, um, God swift death. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, or the swift death, swift death of God, or something like that. Whatever you know, some sort of formulation of that phrase is what it says on each bullet. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, so now all of this is happening. Everybody is converging. You know, we've gotten to the point where it's you know it's it's kind of reaching the climax. And at one point, we ended up uh, we end up getting to Webster. Um, who is played by David Morse and and Webster's like, all right, I'm gonna help you out. And he gives <laughs> he gives Nick uh, Milton this like fancy car because for some reason this is really important in this movie. It's a 71 Chevelle that uh, apparently uh, Milton was was partial to back when they used to do whatever they used to do illegally together. Right. Did you also notice the license plate? Um, the license plate on the, on, um, Piper's car, on Frank's car, I guess was, uh, was drive angry. Drive angry. Yep. Um, 
What was the license plate on the Chevelle? I, I, I was talking saw, about the one, the driving okay. angry one. Yeah. Okay. I think the Chevelle might have also had a, a vanity plate, but I don't remember for sure. But yeah, I fucking loved that the uh, the Charger was drive angry. It was, actually it made me mad that they destroyed that car because I was like, isn't that kind of the point? <laughs> right. Yeah. And then he ends up getting in another like at the very end of the movie, he ends up getting in another like fancy car. I. It was really weird. So I they have a, I'll, I'll be honest. I expected more driving. I expected more Fast and Furious driving in this movie. He um, he escapes hell in a, a 64 Riviera. Uh, okay. And then Piper has the 69 Charger. Mm-hmm. Um, they pick up the 71 Chevelle from Webster. And then uh, at the very end, they, uh, he and the accountant go back to hell in a 57 uh, Chevy 150. Okay. Um, That's so, cool. For those of you who know classic cars and that means something to, it's pretty badass. For those that don't, there were four different cars that were important to this movie. <laughs> yeah, there's just four <laughs> cool-looking cars, period. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, so now it's it's the end of the movie. You know, uh, Milton, uh, uh, you know, basically he's like, you know, Webster, you stay here. Piper, stay with the accountant. Like, be safe. Piper ends up, you know, uh, tricking the accountant, you know, and, you know, the accountant's like, well, if you're going to go, like, that gun has a pretty mighty kick to it, so please be careful. Uh, the clock is ticking because they know at midnight this guy is going to sacrifice the kid. So epic gun battle ensues. And, of course, Milton... <laughs> just driving around. The, running. The Chevelle's on fire. He's just driving in circles, running people over and shooting them through a busted-out windshield. <laughs> phenomenal. That whole scene is just phenomenal. Because, like, the, people the are CG rolling up terrible. over the car and, like, catching on fire. Yeah. yeah. it's It was pretty terrible. <laughs> oh, man. There's so much I, shit to this movie. Uh, Ellen was busy for, like, the first half of this movie, and she didn't she didn't actually watch it with me and I, sure. that was by by design i knew she wouldn't be interested uh but she came in and like towards the end of like the second half and she was just sitting there kind of not really paying attention but looked up at one point during this scene and was just like wow <laughs> this is bad <laughs> yeah it was pretty uh it was pretty great so so now, you know, basically it's just Milton and uh, Billy Burke's character. I forgot what his name is. Uh, um, Jonah. And, Jonah King. J- Jonah. Yep. And so they're the only ones left. And, you know, eventually Milton ends up using the God Killer um, and blowing uh, him up. Now, earlier in the movie, yes. uh, right before Billy Burke, uh, right before Jonah shoots uh, Nick Cage, you know, Milton in the eye, Milton says like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to kill you and then I'm going to drink a beer from your skull. Or someone offers him a drink. He's like, I'm only going to do it unless it's from Jonah's skull or something. Webster offers him a, a beer when they're they're hanging out. It's like right. it's around the same time that he gives that whole monologue about hell being, you know, watching your, your loved ones suffer. Uh, and he's like, I don't think I'll be having that cold beer right now. I won't drink one until I'm drinking it from from Jonah, Jonah King's skull. I almost said Jonah <laughs> Hill, but that would be rude. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to Jonah King's skull. And so Milton shoots Jonah with the God killer and like blows him like into pieces, but also like out of existence, except for mm-hmm. the, like just the like top portion of his skull, including like part of his jaw and whatnot. And it's bloody and it's gross. And like, everything's been melted off it. It lands on the ground and Milton pours himself a beer and <laughs> Brings it out of the skull. Right out of his skull. The accountant's like, well, it's time to go back. Yep. And he's like, all right. And he ends up putting the skull in the inside of his jacket. Like he was good. He was about to throw it. And he was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to keep this. I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this with me. Nice little, you know, you don't want to throw away a good cup. Right. I mean, it's a souvenir, you know, in his jail cell. It'll be fine. You know, have a nice beer while he's watching his uh, daughter die over and over and over again, I guess. Oh my God. (laughs) Fucked up. And so they get into the car and drive off into the sunset uh, that is hell. And, and we get our meatloaf song, and that is the end of the movie. So should you watch this movie? Fuck yeah, you should. Fuck yeah, you should. This movie's <laughs> so fucking crazy. It is so crazy that it is totally worth watching just for how absolutely batshit insane this movie is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just... Oh, my God absolutely batshit insane it was it was wonderful yeah it was 
It was it was exactly what I hoped it would be, honestly. Like having known that this movie existed since 2011, but not not seeing it, uh, finally getting a chance to to watch it. It was exactly what I needed it to be. And yeah. so it was the, the perfect kickoff to our, our month of Nicolas Cage movies uh, in June of 2021. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, so so that's the, th- uh, that's the film. If you have not watched the film already before watching this episode, it is available streaming for free on Tubi TV. It's probably other places, but that is where both Caleb and I watched it. It's a free service. You just go to the website and type Drive Angry, and you can just watch it for free without having mm-hmm. to sign up or anything. It's great. It's great. Um, so definitely check that out, uh, if you, uh, have been inspired by this review. Uh, and of course, if you, um, uh, started watching this movie because you caught our preview of it just a couple of days ago, um, then thanks for watching the movie and thanks for listening to our trailer episode for it. We appreciate that as well. Um, and of course, if you at all have any suggestions for movies, uh, please visit nightshiftradio.com, or I'm sorry, the mm-hmm, Uh That's mm-hmm. the N-H-O-I-T.com. And if you scroll down to the bottom, uh, outside of being able to see all of the wonderful Nicolas Cage films we're doing this month, uh, you'll be able to fill out a contact form and be like, yo, watch this movie, and then we will. Um, and it'll be oh, great. Yeah. We will. Yes, we most definitely will. Um, yeah, so so that'll do it for uh, for this episode. Uh, hey, Caleb, thanks for thanks for this month. You're welcome. I'm, I'm going to be excited. I, it was very funny when you were like, I was like, "Hey, do you you want to do that?" And you're like, "Yeah, but it's going to be all Nicolas Cage." And I'm like, "Okay." And then like four seconds later, you had exactly four Nicolas Cage films like ready to go. You're like, "This one, this one, this one, this one." I was like. Okay. It Here really we go, wasn't then. hard. I mean, the 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 second half of the movie or the second half of the month, um, Weatherman and Lord of War. I knew without a doubt that I wanted to watch those movies. It was just a matter of finding where they are streaming, and uh, yeah. you'll you'll be able to find that information on thenohoit.com. Uh, but the the first two, like I said, I, I went to Tubi and like Drive Angry, okay, and then I think it's Outcast. I'm like, this yeah, this is gonna be. This is gonna be bad, <laughs> and I yeah. can't wait. It's so, gonna be super like, exciting. It was. It was really easy. I mean, there there's so many to choose from. The man is fucking prolific. So. <laughs> That's a word for uh, we could use. Sure. Um, uh, I I think Nicolas Cage needs to learn to say no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just you know I I just hope that he's finally able to enjoy the fruits of his labor and that like the money isn't all being funneled to like pay like back debts and shit like that. Like yeah. I hope, I hope that he's able to like actually live a, a good comfortable life uh, because you know what, at this point he's fucking earned it. He's de- I mean, after a lot of the movies we've watched of him, he definitely deserves to, he, to he's just earned enjoy it, it several times over. Let's be yeah. real. Yeah. Uh, So, all right, everyone, thanks a lot for watching, and we will see you next week. father's tragic past, hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information. Mm-hmm.